We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for downloading the audiobook. I love that. That's really cool. Thank you again for that. Now, on to my guest for today, Taha El Raid, CEO of Llama, a tech startup in Libya. Taha grew up in an entrepreneurial family that runs a successful food service business. Taha figured he'd eventually join the family business, but after traveling and spending time in San Francisco, Canada, and Australia, he realized he wanted to do something to have more of an impact in his homeland. Taha's current project is to help create a national addressing system in Libya. Currently, other than a few major streets, most streets don't have official names, and people often use descriptions to give directions. Without such an address, it's harder for people to access services many of us take for granted. Constant power outages and lack of internet access outside the home also limits Libyan's ability to use smartphone apps, debit and credit cards, and other conveniences many of us, again, take for granted. Deliveries have to be picked up at a warehouse rather than being sent to a residence. However, Taha has found some people need to be shown that this is an issue. So Lama did a trial run of helping people more easily obtain cash from their paychecks because the banking system can sometimes be undependable and often inaccessible. This encouraged people to identify their location and thus be matched up with an address. Clearly, Taha is looking at existing problems and using some creative thinking to get where he wants to go. It is amazing what he's trying to do. It's well worth just listening to that, right? 
Taha also founded and runs a co-working space that he sees as being more of a more welcoming, positive space where people can come together. Something of an oasis in Libya. Now, let's get better together. Taha El Raid, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Super excited. Well, thank you for being on the show. And I'm just so happy that I think I almost pronounced your name right, <laughs> which <laughs> I was practicing before we started. Uh, yeah. No, no, you did a pretty good job. <laughs> oh, thank you so much because you're actually from Libya. Correct. Yeah. You are the first person I've interviewed from Libya. This is so cool. Awesome. <laughs> and, and Hopefully we talk- one of many. Yeah, I hope so. Well, what's interesting yeah. is we were talking a little bit ahead of time and you're like, well, yeah, I'm like, well, the only PF- only person I know from Libya is Gaddafi. You're just like, yeah. roll your eyes. You're like, ah, everyone says that. <laughs> there is more to Libya than Gaddafi. So I just wanted to yeah. get that out of the way. Also wanted to talk about your company. You're the founder of Llama. And all, I mean, the cool things that you're doing in Libya is just exactly what the ethos, entrepreneur ethos is about. Because, I mean, there's some challenges and struggles that you're going through that no other entrepreneur has to deal with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I just exciting you know, experience. Yeah. Well, but I think this is a really good thing to talk about because, you know, you have, everyone has this preconceived notion of Libya, obviously you're trying, you're no entrepreneur, you're trying to like figure this out. And there's just some fundamental things that need to be fixed and you guys are fixing some of them. And this is going to be, a, I'm just so thrilled that you've been on the show and, uh, but, you know, before we talk all that, I'm getting ahead, a little ahead of myself. Why don't uh, you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in a, uh, uh, in a very active entrepreneur family. Um, uh, my family had been in the food industry for a long, long time. And um, uh, obviously, being at the young age, I was uh, not really forced, but I was taking all, <laughs> all the time to the meetings that the uh, they were happening at the, at the company in the factory and that really got me interested in business and seeing how the, the scale uh, has, uh, uh, you know, has grown significantly throughout the years. And the fact that we, we kept growing uh, with uh, substantial, uh, uh, you know, steps along the way, it just really inspired me to, to do something with business. Um, but I've never imagined myself running a tech company uh, ever since I was a young age. Uh, I mean, I was very interested in computers, fixing up computers and, you know, doing, the normal techie stuff, but I've never imagined opening a tech company just because of the fact that our domain was always in the food uh, industry. So I was like, you know what, we'll graduate and then, you know, go back to uh, to Libya and then just, you know, go into the family business and uh, and try to hopefully uh, change or add more stuff that you've learned from, you know, uh, the fact of being abroad. Um, but, uh, you know, when I came spending like the last, I guess, seven years out of uh, uh, the last seven years of my life outside of Libya, it just really hit me that the fact that we are so back behind in terms of everything that has existed in the West and the fact that technology was really moving the world in a very positive way. Yes, there is some bad stuff that happening because of technology, but at the same time, the influence and the change that, uh, that exists uh, because of the fact that we're uh, able to create new products and create new platforms that really helps people. Um, so I came back to Libya and you know what, and um, one of the main issues that we face here is always technical. So you go to the bank and it's just like, the system is down. I'm like, 
how uh, I was trying to get a passport and then they say the system is down and it took me like four or three days just to kind of trying to figure out how can I get an appointment and then once I go there um, you know I will wait in line and then halfway through they're like oh the system just shut down I'm like hmm, that sounds weird for a system to just suddenly break down um, and then you go to the banks and you have these massive lines outside uh, on the door just saying because the they come in early like after dawn like uh, and then they will stay all day waiting outside just to get first into the bank and then they might get surprised at 9 or 10 a.m they're like oh the bank is actually closing because there's no system so it really triggered the fact that you know what maybe there's something to be done here and um while i was in san francisco uh, um I, I i i attended a lot of meetings i met a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of tech founders and that really drove me to the fact you know what maybe it is something that i should pursue and that's what i uh you know i i took that challenge you know what and and it's been an amazing journey so far um but that's pretty much a short like introduction wow I'm just going to like soak that in <laughs> for a little bit because I get pissed off when there's two people in line at the bank and I can't, I mean, and I, and I hardly ever go to the bank. I actually had to go to yeah. the bank yesterday to get a cashier's check or a money order or whatever. So I could yeah. actually renew my passport because it's expired. And I'm yeah. like, gosh, I can't believe I'm waiting this line for five minutes. This is such a joke. Why can't I just do this online? And like, why do I need a check? And why does the government, you know? And yeah. then <laughs> you're like, well, you'll wait in line from dusk till dawn <laughs> and then the system's down. You're like, boy, this system seems pretty important. You'd think that they had put some more effort into it, but. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the stuff I miss about like living in the U.S. and living abroad is like these kind of issues don't seem realistic until you actually live them, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's, just, it's shocking how simple some of the solutions are. But, you know, it's just corruption, the fact that the instability, political uh, changes, it made it all worse for, for, for people who actually try to make changes happen. Um, but, yeah, I guess we take it for granted, but we only feel it once we leave that environment and we're like, oh, shoot, this is like a whole other level of lifestyle that we're not used to. Yeah, because, so. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, we were talking a little bit beforehand and one of the things that you're, you have an app that's a... Uh... A yeah. mapping app and you're like yeah. oh well, you know there's so many come on who needs another mapping app but exactly, explain yeah. to to explain to the listeners why this is so important in Libya <laughs> so yeah that's super exciting so when i moved back 2017 uh you know obviously seeing all these issues uh you know we could have started by fixing up all these different systems but i felt like we really need to build a whole infrastructure from the beginning so I think one of the fundamental things that you should have as a human being is actually having access to an address. So you can get services delivered to, you can uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of luxurious life, even though this is like a basic human right. So I started to dig in and I'll start to meet with different people. Like, is there an address? Like, can I actually have someone give me an address or how can I obtain an address? And usually the answer is no, because the project was, uh, you know, it was initially started in 2008 uh, so pure to the uh, the 2011 revolution where everything kind of got mixed up. But before that, in 2008, there was a plan to to initiate an addressing system, uh, a national one. And they spent tens of millions of dollars. 
um, as they would do. And then the revolution came and then they spent more money after that. And then they just, the project just kept, you know, going for, uh, for, for a long time. And uh, the company uh, that was uh, responsible for got switched from one company to the other, from one department to the other. It was just thrown all over the place. Uh, so the project never saw the sunlight. Um, so we know what we thought. I lived in the US. I lived in Australia. I traveled to Europe. I'm like, they already passed that kind of stuff. Just because you can just send your location through Google Maps or you know other uh, other apps, and and you just get straight to it. Um, so for Libya, it was a little bit trickier because you know we don't have street names. Uh, most of the streets actually don't have names. Yeah, hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah, there is no street names. Yeah, there's not really a lot of official street names. I mean, there's like maybe 10 in my city, which is one of the, it's actually the third largest city. So probably 10 that are known and like registered with the government. The rest is like people calling, like, for example, like where we're based in, in like the village that we live in, the street name is by the village name. And even though officially there's no street name uh, for that particular area, but you know, it just, you know, people just call it whatever it is. So we usually base <laughs> how we describe ourselves, like, um, you know, imagine living in San Francisco with no addresses, but the way you describe your address is like, hey, I live in apartments. Where, which, which apartment building? Well, the one near Starbucks. Well, the one near like the Bank of America. And then like, you know, you, you just start describing your address. So you probably have like two lines or three lines of description just trying to get to your location. Oh, and that's yeah. pretty much the same thing. Wow. Um, wow. wow. So how we rely do, on how do you How do you do business that? Yeah, I mean, Okay, well, keep, keep, yeah. I, keep, I'm. It, this this is like in Japan. Well, no, Japan actually has a system, but it's so bizarre yeah. because um, the addresses in Japan are assigned by when they were registered with the government. <laughs> so it's yeah, like it's, this it, weird you'd be stuff. shocked in how many countries actually have a really bad addressing system. Ireland, for example, had one. Just they spent forty million euros on it, uh, called Area Code, and it was just initiated in two thousand seventeen. So you would think, yeah, Ireland would have an addressing system that is actually working one hundred percent. But you'd be surprised that they actually have the same issues as Libya. Like when I was watching a commercial, the guy was describing to the postman like where he lives is like near the big tree with the open field. There's a red door, and then you make a right turn, and you'll find me there. So it's a very similar <laughs> scenario. Um, and, uh, what we, we did is we, yeah, sorry. No, no, we, I mean, I just, <laughs> I take for granted, like, this is the thing that always blows me away. Like yeah. the infrastructure here. I mean, people complain about the U S and we've got our problems. Yeah. I could be wrong. Like, yeah. got it. Right. We've done a lot of bad in the good world. We've done a lot yeah. of good in the world. There's just, it's, it's complicated, Yeah, but fundamentally, <laughs> you know, like, we we take for granted the infrastructure that we have. Yes. We have we take for granted the addressing and the post office, the roads, the yeah. in, even to a certain degree the internet. Even though the internet's oh, not yeah. that great, well, don't but, get me started on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but <laughs> the like power, the power, the power, the the, yeah. the police, the 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 general lack of corruption. the whole infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole infrastructure is non-trivial, and I think for an yeah. entrepreneur, we have a huge advantage by having it. So. Yeah. You trying to fix it's just this is a very go on. I'll let's yeah. keep going and figure out how you solve this. So yeah, so we we started working on 
So yeah, I guess going back a little bit. So 2017, April, I got, uh, I came back to Libya. I got married in July, 2017. Um, after that, we went for obviously a honeymoon, traveled to Indonesia and then Europe, and then came back to, to Libya. But then at that moment, I was like, you know what? Okay, I need to find something. And I definitely did not want to enjoy, like join the, the family business. I was like, you know what? This, it's already grown to the point where I'm like, you know, what am I going to be able to add to this uh, already established brand? Um, so uh, that's where I started toying with the idea of tech. And then the first thing I was like, you know what? I need to fix up this fundamental issue, which is an address. So I started talking with different people, different uh, agencies, government agencies. What I found surprising is that every agency, every government agency would have their own complete way of addressing. And they will have their own city boundaries. They'll have a different way to get to a location. I'm like, why there's not like a single thing that you guys all can contribute to and fix that issue. And uh, it's always like, oh, the other guys don't want to contribute. Oh, these guys don't want to collaborate. I'm like, okay, whatever. I was like, can I at least get the amount of or the count of cities in Libya and they said we don't actually have that because from 2011 up to now that number have changed significantly so it's less than 99 and then by the time I was asking them is 120 and then now it's like ranging between 100 to 120 so like it's so weird I'm like do you guys have boundaries for these cities and they're like no we don't actually have boundaries for all the cities they like they have boundaries for all major cities. They like, well, kind of. Can I get them? No. <laughs> so it, it was like, you know what? This is just a dead end trying to collaborate with these guys. So we kind of sat down. You know what? We have the open street uh, uh, maps. We have all these open source digital solutions that we can get our hands on. We bought some maps and we started to design it and draw these different cities according to what we know best. Uh, you know, as like a rough estimates. And then because we don't have street names, we have to come up with a, another way to, to create an address where it has like a, a, you know, some logic to it. So we divided the whole country into like uh, shapes, which is a square. So every square would be like 1.3 kilometer by 1.3 kilometers. And that would represent the postal code. Um, you know, and then within that square, you can fit up to almost 100,000 addresses, uh, which is something that is like 10 times what we actually need uh so the max we have got is like around seven thousand addresses within the one square and that covered it like 100 uh so we built it so that it could be expandable and the idea behind the fact that it's a square once there is a uh a boundaries and there's like streets and stuff we can switch it easily to that system so that they don't need to redo addressing you know they just like okay this is the shape this is where the zip code belongs and this is the city it belongs into um, so we decided to, you know, build the squares and fill it up. We hired a bunch of people, data entry teams, and then we started to scout the whole, the whole country. Basically, uh, we started with all the major cities, and uh, at, at our peak, we reached about seventy data entry teams uh, members across uh, eleven different cities, uh, just trying to gather as much data as possible. And um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much like the start of the project. And uh, because, as I mentioned, because we don't have street names, what we did is we 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 changed the street name uh, to a, a letter, and that letter means uh, a building type. So, for example, if I'm giving you an address now, it would be like one J, and then uh, Misrata, Libya, 
and then like for example one of the bicycles f7b5g which is like more alphanumerical uh, uh code uh to start with the j instead of the street name instead of like giving you the building number and uh, street name we switched to into a, a letter and that letter is basically telling you what type of building is it like is it residential is it government huh. is it a, a, a you know is it the business is it a factory so that makes it easier for logistics because you know you probably fill up a lot of postage uh, labels uh, and they where they ask you, is it going to a commercial or residential yeah um, right, uh, right right and because they these will have different procedures and different policies so with our address you don't really need to take it as soon as you write the address it will be automatically like uh, identified as you know a commercial or is it a a, a residential building huh yeah wow because I'm, I'm, I'm as you're talking. I'm looking on Google Maps and I'm trying to find. Yeah. Okay, let me find the roads in like Tripoli, just because that's the only yeah. real city that I know. And apparently there yeah, are well, some, but <laughs> there are the major the major street names uh, um, are are there. But then once you go to these uh, inner city inner city streets, uh, then they will start to disappear. Um, and and that's usually the major issue. The other issue is the fact that people actually you know, contribute to these. And sometimes they'll have some wrong street names, um, you know, yeah. because there's no control yeah. over it. There's yeah, no official there's, names. Yeah. There, you know, there's there's like a main, funniest, you know, a main one. And then the ones off of it have no name. Yeah. And one of the funniest things that happened is that in 2014, they, they formed like a committee in our city uh, uh, to try to name all the streets. Uh, that was in 2014. And up to now they have not, concluded to a solution so <laughs> even though like they were like they had people bunch of people in, in a committee like you know your whole responsibility is to create street names to all of the streets in in in, in the city and yeah. you know that was in 2014 and still not done yet wow because it's just it's like so to, fundamental yeah yes it's it's all because political personal views get in the way and like oh this street name should not be named this x and then it should be named this and it should be named it's not like so they never agree on a street name uh because you know it might like it might be one of their family street names uh so like oh the street name in front of my house should not be like whatever uh city or whatever country it is right uh, you know right, like right, in, right, in, right. in vancouver i i was there uh last uh, i mean I, I live there now but um when i was there i was seeing like ottawa street winnipeg and i was seeing ontario yeah. uh, streets and you'll have these street names and like you're you're, you're gonna be okay but uh in libya it's, it's much more difficult than that you'll not find a street name named after another city because that city might not be aligned with the same political views as this city um <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny but it's just so well i mean it's just again. it's a little it's just shocking well yeah i mean again like i'm a westerner like i again the only thing i know about libya is tripoli benghazi and Gaddafi. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. that's completely myopic, right? Like, that's a, that's the full history. That's all you need. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been around longer than the U.S. has been my guess, yeah. right? Obviously, yeah, it's it's been crazy. Yeah. So, so how has it been? Re- I mean, how how do people receive this? I mean, in I shock. Gotta, in, sh- 
And especially because tech is, as I mentioned, we're not known for our tech products in Libya or in the media region, to be specific. And the fact that people are seeing local products being made here and, and actually being developed, uh, um, there always there's that hesitation. It's like, hmm, is that actually a good product or is it actually reliable? Are they going to steal our data? So it's like, think of this as the U.S. pure to finding an iPhone or creating the App Store. You know, at that point, people were hesitant, like, why would I get a smartphone? The government is spying on us. Oh, my God. You know, so it's the same concept happening here because, you know, uh, it's it's a local made app. It's it's It solves a local issue. And people still like think, hmm are these guys like real? Are they going to steal our data? And, and we have this kind of, you know, but but we kind of proved, you know, we did a lot of initiatives and we did a lot of ideas to 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 make it easier for people to understand like the importance of having an address. Um, and that was really the core thing. We were, we were trying to figure out a, um, a way to introduce it into their lives to make it better, um, you know, and, and for them to actually get access to better services. So, uh, as 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 we were building the application, we started to think of use case scenarios. Uh, so, in when COVID started uh, in Libya, at least in in uh, late uh, early, I guess twenty twenty, um, and so, so what we did is we did a, this trial test just to see how people you know might benefit. So we went to a local bank. And uh, we uh, we came to an agreement. Hey, you know what? We were gonna deliver people's money to their house, so cash delivered. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. You, so, what? Huh? That yeah, that's, so that's a thing. Yeah, it is. Um, so <laughs> this is so bizarre because because it's it's a cash based society. Uh, people rarely use cards here because it's not reliable. You know, means because yeah. the internet is so bad, and the fact that power outage is like horrendous as well. So you know, people tend to just stand in lines just to get their cash, and then they can just go out and spend it. So we did this trial, and we ran it for about twenty days. We were overwhelmed because we were delivering like like thirty to forty dollars, uh, thirty to forty, uh, um, I guess, salaries to people, uh, and and uh, these amounts are growing because they can only withdraw a certain amount from the bank so what we did is we built this web application so that they can go and fill up their bank details and then take a screenshot uh, like a screen uh, i guess like a, a photo of their check uh, and then uh, they will write the value like they want to withdraw two thousand dinars and then uh, they'll attach it and then that the request will go to the bank the bank will review it deduct it from their account and then they will prepare the money we come and pick it up and then go deliver it straight to their house. One of the things that we required people to have is an address. So what we did is we had a map and that map showed our addresses. So whenever they are in their house, they will just only have to click on the address. Uh, so we had these icons on top of homes. So they would click on the icon and then they will just fill up the address. Uh, so that way we know where they live. And we delivered over 400 uh, deliveries or packages <laughs> using that way. And it was perceived really surprised. Like people were shocked. Like, hmm, and, and is that people, even real? People trusted, trusted you to do this? Exactly. <laughs> this is it Libya. Was, like, it's weird. It's, isn't it? You know, it was a very ambitious. Uh, I'm crazy, impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, a crazy thing. And you know what? We, we just wanted to prove that we, what we did, what we did even crazier is that, um, you know, we, it was about 400,000 dinars. 
at that point it was like over a hundred grand uh um you wow. know and what we did is what, instead of taking it straight from the bank we took all the responsibilities so what we did is once the bank tells us they deducted the money we will prepare it in in our like in, in the company and then we will take it and deliver it to these people and then once we get the checks from them from the people we go and take the money from the bank oh so the bank so has no so literally it's like no risk for you take on all the risk exactly and that's and that's oh. how we that's how confident not confident i guess that's how crazy we were going <laughs> just to try to prove like <laughs> hey if you have an address like you can get a lot of stuff done and this, this is, is the most valuable thing to people is their cash this is, this is insane. This is insane. So, so, so yeah, you mentioned, I, I have so many questions. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So, but you, you mentioned that the internet, how, how good is the internet in Libya? It's good as long as there's power. So for, you know, ever since 2011, because of the continuous growth in population, uh, the, the power production has gone down and, you know, obviously these these facilities, these maintenance, these spare parts and that kind of stuff. And no one was keeping, uh, you know, track of how, you know, bad they're going. Uh, so we started to experience power outage for long, long periods of times. Um, and, um, you know, up to recently, it was going, it happens like four to, you know, five times a day. And you lose power for like uh, an hour, two hours. It might go out even for eight hours in some, wow. in some cities. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, it kept going for the last few years, you know, and, and that really, you know, when you have bad power, you would have bad internet. Uh, but uh, even private companies and, and public companies who run the internet uh, provider in Libya, they, they start to use solar powers, batteries, but even with these equipments, uh, it, it, like if, if the power is out for eight hours, like you can't expect the tower to, that's, be, yeah, that's a long uh, time. to, to be, to be running after that. Um, you know, so, so, and then the fact that there was uh, people stealing, you know, the copper wires from the electricity bulbs. So that was a huge thing. Um, you know, they will just cut the power off. They will just go up, steal the lines and then they will just go and sell it as copper because it just holds so much value for black market in the black market. So that's also a struggle. Like the, the electricity company is trying to fix this stuff, but then you have these idiots who are either like uh, you know cutting the chop. They actually chopped down like one of these massive, you know, electricity towers. They chopped it down. Like that's pretty brave because it's so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We worry but, about we worry about like here in California when the power goes out for we get upset like one day maybe one day a year for a yeah. couple of hours or rolling blackouts because of the f- massive amount of wildfires here. Exactly. I can't imagine yeah. like every day. I mean, yeah, that's the way it was when I was in India. Pretty much every day yeah. the power would go out. But keep in mind, like India has over a billion people living there. We're only 6 million of us. There's not a lot, a whole lot of us. And Libya is like, I think is like 13 or 17th largest country in the world in terms of size. Uh, You know, it's like 1.7 million square meters, which is massive. uh, With only 6 to 7 million people living in it so mostly the, mostly on the coast right yes people mostly live on the coast yeah but uh, even people that live in the south southern parts need electricity and and, and uh, you know basic infrastructure so it created that massive cost you know it's libya somehow reminds me of canada and australia because you have this massive 
plots of land, but only so little people living in them. So the cost of like, for example, from the Gold Coast to Sydney, just to just to run wires and run cables is just massive. And just for like a small group of people that live somewhere in the middle that like maybe like 100, 200 people, like, okay, you need to provide electricity to these guys and you need to provide access to phones and internet. Uh, so Libya has a similar issue too, because the distribution is mainly in the coast, but then you have these parts where it's spread out in the south. And that created this dilemma of having like a good infrastructure and making sure that no one steals these uh, these cables. Steals the <laughs> copper wire and, and chops down the tower. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but things wow. are improving. Like uh, it's it's weird. Like a couple, I guess a month or a month ago, we were having these power outages all the time. But now it's you know happens once a day, which is you know you know it lasts for like an hour or two, which is amazing. We're like okay, that's great. But during the summertime, where it gets like up to forty Celsius degrees, it's like you know one oh nine Fahrenheit. That's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with no yeah. AC. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Pretty yeah, your uh, your computer equipment's gonna <laughs> melt. Like there's no. So people have power generators here. It's like the normal. It's like yeah, yeah. Like you have cars there. We have power generators. All every household now like has to have it, and, and the fuel is cheap here. So we have that. Yeah, because you, you have a huge amount of. There's a lot of oil in Libya, right? Oh, lots, lots. Like the the gas costs here, like maybe three cents per liter. Three or actually cents less, yeah. a liter. Actually, yeah, maybe less. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> that's almost free. Exactly, it's actually cheaper than water. Wow. Just to put it in that perspective. Cheaper yes. than water. Man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the exciting journey of building a tech startup in a country where there's no infrastructure. I right. mean, Things are getting better. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. Where do you guys, like, do you have a, do you, do you use, like, AWS as your server? I mean, how, yeah, how do we, you, <laughs> I mean, there's no server infrastructure. I mean, they have the internet. Okay. But, yeah. Wow. So we build a mini data center in our headquarters, but we rely heavily on AWS just because it's the most reliable service that we have. Yeah. Um, and um, but yeah, it's it's internet is getting much better. The power is getting much better. This is like on a positive side because all of these challenges have made it like important for us to 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 not take it for granted. And that's like one of the principles why we designed the application. It's not really to solve the addressing system, but also navigation to. Um, because the other major issue, because there's no internet and there's no um, power, you need to have access to an offline navigation tool. Um, so that's what we focus on our application as well. So now like you can get an address, you can find a new restaurant uh, and you can navigate to it all without internet. Mm. Uh, so that was one of the main things. You're like, you know what, design the app, but okay, keep in mind that most people don't have internet outside of their homes. Uh, so you have to have it offline as well. So we developed the application so it can be working offline as well. And that made us cover more, more, uh, more places than we thought possible. Yeah. Cause internet is cheap in the U S compared yeah. to Canada. Oh yeah. Internet. Most Canadians, most Canadians don't actually have internet access on their cell phones. Cause it costs so, so much yeah, more. It's than prohibitive. Well, I mean, you this. can't, yeah. If I, if I leave the U S and go, you know, to another country, they have the internet's prohibitively expensive. I mean, in Europe, I remember, I mean, just in Europe, I had to get yeah. a mapping system that was inertial navigation. So I didn't need internet to, to run. Yeah. It. I think it was called like, 
Oh, what was the name of it? It was some, I don't remember the name. It'll yeah. come to me. Galileo. It was called Galileo. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in, was in Venice and I'm just like trying to figure out where I am and I couldn't use internet, but I had this Galileo thing, which was pretty good. Yeah. Like it, it did a really good you job. Just walk around the city. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the US, as I mentioned, we take you for granted. We have access to the internet super cheap. Uh, at, at, uh, and even with these deals, you can get it for like almost, nothing uh and yeah, but if you look at canada it's right next to you but um the internet is it's more expensive there you know i was paying uh, when i was in san francisco i was paying like this is on the higher end because i was using so much uh but i was paying about 65 dollars i was getting like 80 gigs of internet uh 4g and i was like you know what that's amazing but then i moved to canada i'm like the highest they have is like a, a 50 gigabyte and that's like that costs you the same amount as like 80 gigabytes with like not like not a whole lot of coverage as well um especially in vancouver if you go yeah. down like the uh the highway you are screwed there's no internet there <laughs> yeah you would think but i mean you know canada as you mentioned canada huge. is a huge country that's very sparsely populated i don't even know the the, I think it's about 35 million. Yeah, people. it's it's pretty it's it's nothing. Nothing, you know. It's less than California. Yeah, California is in the 40s and the US is like 340 or 359. So there's exactly, but the size of Canada is like more than half of the US. So it's like well, I mean, it, it goes the entire length of it and width, it's, yeah. Width, sorry, the whole width of it and the height yeah. of it is like goes to the Arctic Circle. So landmass wise, it's huge, but there's nothing there. <laughs> it's exactly. Like tundra, like. Hey, take it's all the snow you want, yeah. you know, bro. Wow. And then yeah. the other thing that you guys are doing, so you've got this app, which is really good. And of course, solving this huge, massive problem. But then you also have a co-working space. Yeah. Which I think is what the largest, if not the largest co-working space for entrepreneurs in Libya, or at least in the town that you're in. Yeah. Um, um, tell me a little yeah, bit more about that and sort of what kind of, what kind of startups are in Libya? I mean, I exactly. I, yeah. I can't even like fathom. This is so cool. Um, so yeah, one of the key things that I learned while I was in the US is the fact that it's not about having money and it's not just having that access to, to, to capital. Uh, that really helps sometimes. But in most cases, if you do have a good network of people, you can get a lot of stuff done without having to spend money. Um, you know, and one of the toughest things that I found when I got back here is the fact that I was a foreigner in my own uh, country, in a sense, because I didn't know anyone. And uh, the people I've studied high school with, they're all like everywhere, spread out all over the place. And, um, you know, trying to get people to understand where you're coming from and having a network, a good network was really challenging. Um, you know, luckily, I relied on my family's network to try to get to, to introduce me to other people. But I felt the challenge in, in trying to create that first connection uh, because there was no, you know, there, there's no, no environment for this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, you know, what we, we, we said that, you know what, this has to change. We have to figure out a way for people to get together, uh, like-minded people, to try, people are trying to do stuff because the world is full with all these negative thoughts uh, and negative ideas and, and you really need to escape it sometimes to try to create and focus on crafting your personality and crafting your yourself uh, so that's where like the idea came about is that we needed a place where everyone can feel like welcomed everyone can actually collaborate there's no differences once you walk inside that door 
uh, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're going to end up paying the same amount as the other guy. You're not going to get special treatments just because you're, you know, whatever. Uh, and that really created that level where there's a balance in the room. Because uh, usually that's the most hesitant part. If you look up to one of these rich, uh, super rich people, you also have that hesitation. Is like, are they going to talk to me? We always perceive them as really bad. And a part of me growing up, because I was fortunate that my family was very successful, um, you know, people always looked at me as different because, you know, you belong to this, you know, family and that family has wealth. And people always think, well, you have it easy in a sense. Uh, but growing up, I doubled depression. I doubled, you know, all, all kind of stuff. And, and that really led me to kind of discover myself. And that really what we're trying to do with the co-working space. We're trying to make it into a safe space for anyone really who wants to do anything in their lives. There's just even people who want to do like do schoolwork or, you know, just talk in a sense. Um, so that was the idea of why we wanted to create a co-working space. And unfortunately, because of COVID, it, it, we officially opened in February 2020. So it was not the best timing. But at that time, we did not know that it was going to happen, COVID. So um but things are getting much better now. After vaccination levels going up, the infection rates are going down. Uh, so more people are, are are coming to these uh, uh, to utilize the space. And in the same time, we're, we're starting to do more events and workshops to try to get people like you know just leave leave your safe side and come to explore other territories where you might actually discover something great. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, we tried to make it. It's so super weird. Every comment that we get once we walk inside that door is like, we don't feel like we're in Libya, because just the negativity that's oh, happening. Yeah, uh, interesting. So, it, so it's huh, okay. Um, it's very different than your normal typical company. Like our headquarters are really weird, uh, comparing to like the traditional um, workflow of, of, of public or private companies in Libya. So we try to do things differently. Like we don't have, like I don't have an office. Uh, um, I work with my team all in, in one room, even though we have like, we talk about roughly the size of the building is about 30,000 square feet. Uh, so that's like super big. Um, but uh, we all work together collaboratively. We, we, we use a lot of open space concept where people can like, you just feel like they're, they're somewhere else, um, you know, travel without like, traveling outside. Uh, but the idea is like just to walk in just feel like you're you belong here and feel like you actually can do stuff uh, and feel empowered to do more stuff um, and that's really what we're trying to achieve by this and maybe hopefully meet some really cool people because uh, I'm like I'm trying to do that same thing too here right, it's easy right. to do it overseas but uh, hard, uh, hard but I was to do very shy yeah. oh it's very hard yeah. but uh, there's a lot of tech companies popping up here Oh, uh, a lot of uh, fintech companies uh, developing uh, uh, e-payments and digital wallets. Um, food delivery is getting very, very popular here. Um, you know, uh, uh, I guess you're so going to need addresses for that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I can't imagine like the Uber Eats guy going this three or four paragraph description about where he's got to deliver the falafel or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, exactly. I don't even know where this is, you know. I mean, I've been a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and it's 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 horrendous, yeah. But uh, yeah. but as I mentioned, there's 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 a lot of uh, food delivery. There's a lot of fintech companies. There's a lot of uh, e-commerce platforms popping up because there's the demand. People want like you know, obviously being on the internet, you can watch Netflix, you watch Hulu, Amazon yeah. Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having access to this stuff, what happens is the younger generation is starting to see the world more and therefore explore 
you know, seeing all these, you know, fancy stuff and then just seeing other tools that people have in their possessions. Um, so even if, you know, you're watching your favorite TV show and like, oh my God, that's a nice bag. Yeah. Before yeah. that was not possible for you to buy it, but you can just go online and like Google it and then find it on Amazon, have it delivered like to Libya. Obviously you still have to pick it up from the shipping store. Rather than, like, so Amazon delivers to Libya. It delivers through another company, which is called RMX. So RMX gives you an address in 30 different countries. So let's say I'm oh, shopping. So I open an account here in Libya. It's it's a it's one of the largest logistic company is, uh, companies in, in the Middle East. Actually, it is the largest. Uh, so what it does is you open a, an account, you join them, and then they give you an, a 30, 30 addresses in 30 different countries. Uh, so what you do is you buy through Amazon and then you will put uh, their their uh, forwarding address onto the address in in uh, in the Amazon or the e-commerce platform you're buying from. And then it gets delivered from Amazon to their warehouses and then from their warehouses to uh, to Libya. But then you have to go and pick it up from them rather than having it delivered door-to-door delivery. Uh, but we are working with them. We signed an MOU with them uh, to, awesome. to start beta testing in Libya. So hopefully that will be a reality where we can, you know, buy and shop and get delivered to to, to, to your it's, house. It's like so fundamental. I mean, you just yeah, take it for so granted. Basic, huh? You take it for <laughs> granted, man. I mean, honestly, you just take, I mean, wow. Yeah. Just wow. Just wow. So what what do you want people to know about Libya? Well, like, Give us the lib. Give us the pitch for Libya. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to think. Like, this is such a fundamental thing. This on. So, everyone's entrepreneurship journey is different. Clearly, yeah. you know, you're trying to do something in Libya that's hard, tough. Like, it's a challenge. But the entrepreneur spirit and the spark is what's going to really create a better life for the people in Libya. I mean, clearly, the government is through all the transitions and because to 2011, that was the Arab spring, right? That was the, yeah, that was the, Arab spring. the, yeah. the top lean of the Gaddafi and all Most that. dictators. Yeah. A lot of dictators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you want us to know about Libya? How, how should we, I don't know, perceive it, yeah. uh, perceive it or support it or like what, like, I think you know, what can I we think, do? What can we do? Yeah, I think I think Libya is one of the greatest opportunities. It's 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 a virgin market uh, or virgin land in a sense that is it's really has a lot of untapped potential. Um, you know, and and location is strategic. It's it has pretty much everything you would think of as a perfect country. Uh, you know, we we were just struggling with the fact that politically we're not really aligned. Um, but other than that, Libya has some of the greatest minds. I mean, if you look at different uh, professions and professionals across the world, you have Libyans excelling in their studies and, and excelling in their fields everywhere else. Like I, when I was in the US, I met tons of Libyans who are working with Facebook, Google, and Amazon, and, and they're all holding like senior positions. And then in Europe, you'll have top do- doctors, uh, medical doctors, uh, you know, working in their field, discovering new inventions. Like we had a guy uh, from Libya uh, not too long ago. He used AI to uh, cure uh, and work on cancer uh, patients. And, and it just it just shows you that there is potential. Yeah. Uh, but 
requiring investment and, and patience and supporting the, the efforts to stabilize the economy or stabilize the country as, from a political perspective is the main thing. But Libya, once things get more stable in terms of politically, uh, it just it's one of those gold mines, you know, and whomever gets the first kind of in uh, foot in, then this, this is this is definitely like, one of those you know like remember now looking at back at amazon like i wish i put that thousand dollar i had in amazon yeah. or netflix or you yeah. know uh, now cryptocurrency is big maybe bitcoin yeah. like if you bought in 2011 like you bought a thousand dollar worth of bitcoin you'd be a multi-millionaire oh you yeah uh, <laughs> i kick myself every day for not and, and, buying and it at 20 cents and, and that's the thing. It's it's there are still these gold opportunities available all over the place, you know. And, and Libya certainly is one of those strategic places because you know if you if you just Google Libya as a country versus it being political, uh, like the political stuff, you look at the land, you look at the people, you look at the potential, you'll find like my God, this is like a gold mine because you have every form of success ready. You just need to, to like have that support and have that Western not really interference, but really have that packing of developing new stuff. You know, there's, there's a study not too long ago and, and they were saying that if they use a quarter of, um, you know, the, the desert that we have in solar powers, you know, even though economically it's not great, but they will, they will be able to uh, power up uh, the entire continent of Europe. Yeah. Just utilizing this, yeah. you know, that desert from Libya yeah. and Morocco uh, and yeah. Algeria. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there is that potential. And Morocco is doing that. Now Morocco is supplying the UK with power from yeah. Moroccan desert. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, there's that potential, there's that much potential. We have the largest coastline in Africa with over 2000 kilometers of yeah. pure coastline. On the, the largest yeah, right on the Medi- yeah, right on the Mediterranean. Yeah. Exactly. So there's there's this so much potential. And it just we just need to think positively about everything and everyone. And there, as I mentioned, smart people exist everywhere and dumb people exist everywhere. Um, you know, and, and, and now you can still you can you can still uh, navigate throughout these mess and, and, and see the good in people. I think yeah. that's what we need more of. And just think positively, because, you know, once we lost that positive thoughts, it's, it becomes a challenge because you can't accept each one another. And, and that really makes us, you know, far apart from, you know, we fight on the smaller things while the there's much bigger stuff that we have to focus on. So I think as, as, as someone who worked here and someone is trying to do something, I think having a, a benefit of doubt is really a, a, a plus and having people thinking positively and not really relying the whole country in, into one person or on one statement of, of uh, you know, ideology. I think that would make a lot of sense. And, and hopefully, hopefully one day, and we're very, very hopeful. And that's what really kept us here and kept us going is like the fact that uh, there's that potential and we really want to be on the ground when, when, when things get better, this is definitely a, a great opportunity for us. This is like us thinking, you know, this is like the next big thing happening Yeah. once it stabilizes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It has that See, potential. Yeah. 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 I mean, so is there some hope on the st- sta- stabilization front? I, I don't know much yeah. about yeah, it's, it's, things issues. are, things are going much, much better, smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are more stabilized now. We were plan- there's plans to have an elections in tw- oh. uh, in Christmas actually, but yeah, 24th of December, which is our Independence Day. Uh, they're planning to hold election day and and uh, hopefully elect a new government in which uh, will unite uh, because Libya now somehow 
we have the western side and eastern side and both are controlled by the two different parties but hopefully with the new government they will be able to unite these two sides and then just you know just take off because we have everything ready just we just need that you know you need the leader that understands the importance of coming together versus like everyone working for their own good yeah no that's so true and it's interesting because um usually when people do come together and sort of build that coalition i mean everyone prospers uh, it's it's a i mean it could just be you know po- politics aside I, again and i don't know all the details yeah. about what goes on in libya but generally you know when these when factions are trying to like get their share everyone suffers because i mean you saw that exactly. in you saw this in the soviet union where yeah. they were trying to communism and it wasn't really communism because there was a lot of rich people that were really like doing some stuff that were not cool and then they you know fall the collapse then they have this hybrid of socialism and capitalism and still trying to work stuff out but generally you can't hold yeah. people back um people want to thrive and every one of us wants the same thing we want safety for our families we want to be able to do what we want to do we want an independent life that completes us and you know we just i think want to be you know we want our communities to thrive I, I, it's a universal human thing i can't think of one yeah. other, other better way to put it no matter where you're from so wow yeah, and, and that's how i did like the one last thing maybe i'll finish with but um but that's how i convinced my dad i'm going to drop out of school and uh early on i told him you know what like you as a parent you have you know rights on your son and and those things will be like you know what i'm like you know what do you, what if i do this i was like you know what if i do something you'll be proud of something that will make me successful uh something that will make me happy and i don't have to go to school is that okay he's like well yeah these are the three things the main things that every parent wishes upon their their child i'm like exactly. okay cool I'm not going to go to school but I'll promise I'll make these three happen for you. Uh, and this is really what's making me work hard because I'm like I'm I made these commitments and I'm like pursuing this stuff because I know the value that comes out of this is like like I was the only one from my family that has not finished school. And so this wow. is a big thing. That's a big and, thing, yeah. Uh, and and my mom didn't even realize this. Like even after I, I came back to Libya in 2017, I'm like she didn't even think that I was dropping out of school. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? This is just the thing that needs to change. It's not about like your what you have on the wall. It's more about like what you can do, the impact that you want to create on the universe. And and I feel like that's the purpose of why existence is to really, you know, do something different and do something impactful. Uh, that you will be, you know, you know, like one day you're like, I did this. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And that's that's all I need. Like I I lived a really great life. Uh, I had access to everything I need. Uh, but at the same time, the satisfaction of creating something impactful—that's the only thing that money cannot buy you, um, and, and that's something that you really have to think from your heart and make sure that you know you just do it. And you know, money is just a factor that helps you out. But then at the same time, the passion and the drive should be within the heart, and and that's really what keeps me going. Yeah, well, that's a great place to end. That's uh, that definitely encapsulates the ethos I live by, and. Taha, it's been just <laughs> to talk with you for hours about this. So it fascinates <laughs> me so much. I mean, I'm always, I love history. I love how communities happen. And I'm a very respectful of like how things change yeah. and how, what, what change means. 
And I just love your attitude about it because I do think, you know, pursuing the entrepreneur lifestyle and the journey uh, with pure, when you have pure of heart and the intention is to do good and be good and try to really like help your community. That's what, that's what, that's what more people in the world need. And I think you're right. We just need to give people the benefit of the doubt, be more positive, put, put away our sort of um, prejudices about certain things and just realize that we're all in it together, trying to figure it out. We want what you just said. Every parent wants their kids to be happy, healthy, and successful. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. That's the formula of life, yeah. <laughs> that's the formula of But that's life. how I convinced him, like, you know what, I'm going to buy it. And I was like, he was shocked. Well, yeah. dad, dad, you, your son's doing pretty well. So you should be very proud. So I'm very, very happy to meet you and can't wait to see what you guys are doing. And of course, if there's anything that, Thank you that so I much. can do or we can do. Feel free to reach out. Stay safe. And I mean that. <laughs> Stay safe and uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is a, it's been a past. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully once I am back in San Francisco, maybe we can link up at that point. But, uh, oh, 100%. And if I'm ever but, uh, in Libya, <laughs> I will look well, yeah. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome. Whenever you decide to come here, uh, you know, we, uh, we will host you here. Well, I would love nothing more than to go. I've always wanted to go to that part of the world generally because it's so yeah, fascinating. It's, it's an mean, amazing. It, it, it's you the should, cradle of civilization. I mean, you just it, you just got to look at it. It's part of the history that you have to look at and and uh, and learn from. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for for really having me. It's been, as I mentioned, it's been a blast. Uh, um, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you can just keep talking for hours. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I understand why you're all packed up now. It's uh, just, thank you so much. This <laughs> is insane. So much. But, uh, but yeah, I wish you all the best. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Taha, for being on the show and educating me and the rest of my listeners about Libya and the challenges and the opportunities and all the great stuff you're doing. I mean... <laughs> That whole addressing thing was just blew my mind. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Taha. Start where you can. Building a national addressing system is a huge undertaking, but Taha and Lama, Lam, Lama are finding a way to get it started, in part by showing people why and how they might benefit from such a system. So (laughs) I just still get blown away by this. I mean, imagine having to convince people that they need an address or that street names have to have, or streets have to have names, right? So in this particular case, you know, the questions that you should ask yourself are like, what are the barriers I'm going to run into when stuff has been this way for thousands? I mean, thousands and thousands of years, right? So, um, you may think it's an obvious thing to you, but sometimes you have to ask the question, well, what are other people going to think? Taha didn't actually finish college, but he thinks making an impact is more important. He lets his purpose and passion lead and motivate him. Well, I mean, he hasn't finished yet, but the guy, you know, going back for physics too. (laughs) So um, pretty cool. Um, I'd say in this particular case, the questions to ask yourself are, you know, okay, if I am going to school, is this benefiting me? Am I, um, you know, getting out of it what I need to put into it? You know, school is a great option, 
Um, it's a lot of good value there if it's for the right thing. So um, those are some trade-offs you have to make. I mean, nowadays, education and knowledge is universal. If you've got an internet connection, you can pretty much learn anything. So you really have to think about that. Leadership is about bringing people together. Once people work together for a common purpose, everyone benefits. And that's so true. Um, common cause that unites people together uh, is something that's unstoppable. And I really think that the question here to ask is, you know, what is what you're building going to have a bigger impact than just your company? What's it for your community, the world? Sounds a bit like, you know, hoity-toity, kind of, you know, buzzword bingo-y, but really you want the what you're building to kind of live beyond you. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Taha. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.